Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, and my guest today is Nicole Slack. Welcome, Nicole. And obviously, this is a podcast. If you're watching or listening, you already know it's about addiction and recovery. And our goal would be to inform people more about the, the road to recovery and, and, and what addiction looks like. Uh, and, and more than anything, provide the fact that there is hope for anyone, no matter where you are, what you're doing. Uh, you, could, you could have been in prison for 10 years. You could have been homeless on the streets. It doesn't matter uh, because there is always hope un- until you die, I guess, right? And Nicole is one of my favorite people. We had her on a podcast months and months and months ago while she was in treatment at Odyssey House. And now you are working at Odyssey House. What, what do you do? I, I, it's important what you're doing, but, but tell everyone what you do. I am the client engagement coordinator. So what I do is I'm kind of the go between between clients and Odyssey House staff. So being a former client, I can give Odyssey the insight of what it's like to be in the house and all the different things that we encounter and um, just processes and just kind of for staff members that haven't been in the house or gone through that, um, just give them more of a perspective from the clients and just kind of be more of a voice for the client. And and one thing, Odyssey, we call ourselves a modified therapeutic community. And what that means is we have people like Nicole uh, working with clients uh, along with professionals. Uh, and and it works much better and, and, and for years and years for decades really Odyssey has been doing that and sometimes I'll get uh, I'll have people call me or or parents or loved ones of, of people in the programs you got a bunch of former addicts talking to talking to addicts what how, how does that make any sense explain how that makes sense I think for some it's easier to hear someone who's been through it than to hear just someone who's you know gone to school and has the education which i so respect which we um, need which you absolutely need but some people it just they just need that person who's been through it to show them that you know i've been through it there's life on the other side and other people i don't know it's it's kind of tough to explain because you need that you just need that perspective i've heard it, it just makes it work. from from people some people say I can spot clients' bullshit a mile away because I've been there and I was doing the same thing they were doing. That's actually really good. <laughs> That's fair. Because, yeah, sometimes I'll go into a house still, and uh, as a graduate, you can still go into the houses and help out. And so when I go in, I'll just be like, oh, my gosh, did I look that dumb when I was trying to lie? Like, <laughs> Or did I say those things? Yeah, I'm just like, oh, like, oh gosh, I'm just wincing not for them for myself i'm just like oh my gosh i probably did that too i can i know i said that right and that's why the program works and and uh you and i talked earlier that we deal with behavioral changes as we're not uh, some people picture a treatment program of just 
okay, you've been off heroin for 30 days, you're good to go, bye. Uh, and it doesn't work. No, it, Odyssey House is known for behavior modification. You're not treating, I can stop drinking that that action, but the action's not what's getting me in trouble. It's the behaviors that get me to that action. Right. Why were you drinking? Exactly. You know. So a lot of people fear their relapse of like, you know, I, I don't want to drink again. And I'm like, that's not my fear. My fear is my depression, my anxiety. When I start feeling those things is when I get the fear of, because a relapse doesn't happen when you drink. A relapse happens probably weeks before <laughs> yes. when you start having those, for me, depression, anxiety, not wanting to deal with things. I'm terrible with emotions. So when I start feeling those feelings is when I start treating. Like when I work on those, uh, uh, the skills that they give you, the coping skills, that's the stuff I'm working on. It's not necessarily the drinking. And I'm not saying it's like that for everyone. But right. for myself, that's when I start to worry is when I isolate, when I don't want to pick up my phone, when I am just sad for no reason today and then it goes into tomorrow. Those are the things that I realize. That's when I realize I'm heading in the wrong direction, not when I want. I haven't wanted to drink yet. I mean, thank the heavens. But How long have you been sober? 18 months. And you haven't wanted to drink once? I really haven't. I haven't thought one day, like driving by the liquor store, I thought I would, when I was in treatment, I thought I would drive by and be like, I could just stop by. Yeah. And I haven't had that yet, but I've definitely had a couple, I would say, episodes where I've been sad for two or three days and it's just not going away. And then I'm just like, I need to talk to my therapist. I need to get to the core. Like, when did this start? You know what caused me to start feeling this way and then I just start you know isolating and not answering my phone is the, those are my two big ones of then I realize I'm heading down a bad path well I don't mean to throw a damper on you but I've got 11 years in recovery and I still occasionally think about drinking uh, my uh, this sounds really weird but my trigger I guess would be taking a beach vacation because I used to uh, I used to when I'd go on vacation especially to a beach where you'd be somewhere where you could just lie in a lounge chair and there'd be a beach bar nearby and I never had to worry about well am I going to get too drunk and I'm going to be am I going to be okay tomorrow to go back to work or anything so I just gave myself unlimited drinking okay and, and I still think of stuff like that occasionally. When you see an ad for like a cruise, or you see a, a beach scene, or you see Snoop Dogg drinking a Corona on the beach, you know, in a TV ad, it's like, ah. So it still goes through my mind, but. Uh, yeah, and I'm not saying I'm not going to, maybe I'm still in the terrified stage. Of, I'm terrified of drinking, because I know I can't have one drink if you and I, you know, hung out and I had a drink, I wouldn't I ruin your night, I'd ruin your life. Have you know? one drink and I'll have one drink and yeah, see how it goes. I'll just have one. Yeah, I, I just have not been there yet. I think I'm too scared of it still to relax enough to be like, oh, I miss that. I'm still scared. I, you know, because I talked on one of our podcasts, I talked to a person who claimed she is a recovered addict alcoholic. And so, 
Hmm. Her argument was the fact that the reason I wanted to numb myself was because of all these traumatic things that happened to me. I've dealt with all the traumatic things that have happened to me. They're no longer traumatic to me. Therefore, I'm not trying to numb myself. But if I go to a social gathering, I enjoy having a couple of drinks uh, because it just makes things a little smoother, okay? And she claims she can do that. And, 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 and my thought is, why would I want to take the chance? Because with the way I used to drink, if I had one drink, I'd have 20 drinks. Yeah. And, and she claims now she can drink like a, quote, normal person, and, and, and which obviously as an alcoholic, that sounded pretty good to me. Could I do that? And, and then I talked to my sponsor and, and he said, why would you, why would, what if you can't? What, you know, uh, and, and you did have 20 drinks, how would you feel the next day? Yeah, that, that's Russian roulette, man, just. I agree. I don't think I could even yeah. chance it. I mean, I guess to everyone their own and if that's how she feels and it's working for her, that just, that's not a possibility for me. Yeah. So. Let's, uh, for people who didn't see your podcast before or know anything about you can sort of just give a thumbnail sketch of your problems with alcohol. Yeah, I started, uh, I've been drink. I have drank, and I didn't start excessively drinking. I did, I look back now and I was binge drinking with my friends, but I started the isolating and binge drinking by myself, and it turned into every day, whereas before it would just be like on special occasions but at what age uh, early 30s mid 30s that's what I found strange about you the first time I talked uh, to you about it because most of the people we talked to started a lot earlier than that yeah I I think I may have I think I would have started the heavy drinking earlier um, maybe even at 30 but I had a son that was born he's a micro preemie so he was born at less than a pound and very sobering so I ended up just going into mom mode and you know he's in the NICU for six months and then he needed care that was he had a g-tube and oxygen and I thrived in that and I did really well and I didn't over drink I I was a really good mom until I wasn't but he was like four or five and he was finally stable g-tubes out he's off oxygen and then it was like then I had to face everything again. My marriage had been falling apart, but all that got put on hold for like four or five years because it was just, you know, being a mom to a preemie baby. And then as soon as it's like, as soon as he was well and he was okay and his dad and him had a better relationship. I mean, his dad's incredible, but um, they were bonded more and it was just like, okay, now I'm going to fall apart. And I just fell apart and... So a lot of people drank for years and years and years as functioning alcoholics. I I did not. Mine was three or four years, and I ruined my life. So I, I'm just not as good at it, I guess, as other people. Well, you were quicker. Yeah, I, mean, I, I got a, to the point. I was functional for decades. Yeah. You know. uh, my house manager at Sober Living, she was like, I was a functioning addict, a heroin addict for 30-some years, and I was like, my God, like I'm bad. Like I threw my whole life away in like four years. Four years. <laughs> How 
How did, how did you throw your life away? I mean... I stopped seeing my kids as often. My ex-husband and I still have a great relationship. Um, so I just stopped seeing my kids, and I didn't want them to see me that way. And so I slowly stopped taking custody of them. We had 50-50 custody off the bat, and... I just slowly, like, I'm not picking up my son and I'm not picking him up. And my daughter started resenting me and that relationship started falling apart. And so and then I was just isolated and drinking and working, isolating and drinking and working and didn't want my kids to see that. So did you keep a job the whole time? Uh, yes, uh, I definitely went from having a job for 12 years to then kind of bounced around one or two jobs and then had that job for two years and then by then I was already in my drinking and then I went and worked for another company for only six months and I was just calling out to work and lost that job pretty quickly and that was like my dream job and that's when I just started planning my suicide and then I followed well poorly followed through with my plan and ended up in Odyssey. So and you really were planning to die. Mm -hmm. I planned it for like six months. So I had it all planned out and I was ready to go. I even signed my car deed over to my child and I had everything planned out. I pushed everyone away in my life like slowly and just made sure that they were all kind of at a distance and didn't see me and I didn't participate in things because I didn't want them to have memories and um, I wanted to see my daughter graduate so I made it through to May but I started I think November Wow, was when I started like okay I'm done done with life yeah wow. I'd, I'm glad it didn't work because you're a wonderful person what uh, when when you realized that you hadn't been successful, how did you feel? I was so mad. Really? I was like, are you kidding me when I woke up? Because I took sleeping pills and drank just so much vodka. And I was just so, so upset. And that you weren't dead. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> God. And uh, I was going to take the rest of the sleeping pills I had and my daughter who was not speaking to me, randomly sent me a text that just said, I love you. So I went to the hospital. Hmm. And then what, what you self-admitted to Odyssey. You, yeah. have, you never had any criminal justice issues? I had a DUI in the March before I went in. So between that November and May, I had a DUI in March. So that just sealed it for me. I was like, now I'm getting DUIs and... No one around me gets DUIs and goes to jail. And uh, so, yeah, that sealed it for me. But, yeah, so I've had a DUI. But you decided on your own to come to Odyssey. Kind of. Um, I was in the behavioral health unit, so I went from the uh, hospital. I don't really remember what happened in the hospital, um, but I was there for like five days, I guess. Um, and then they put me in a behavioral health unit, and from the behavioral health unit, they tried to send me home, and I, they were like, if we send you home, are you still suicidal? And I was like, absolutely. Like, and they're like, why are you going to try anything here? And I'm like, I'm not going to cause trauma to someone else. This is a me thing. I don't want to hurt anyone else. And 
So they're like, you should go to Odyssey House. And I had never heard of it. And they were like, you can just go there for a few weeks and maybe get some therapy, get on some meds. And, and I was like, well, what you're telling me is I'm thinking incorrectly and you're supposed to want to live. <laughs> so maybe uh, if I go there, that'll help. And then like a week or two into Odyssey, I was like, I'm in rehab. And you didn't even know you were going to one. Mm-mm. Jeez. And then I had just already resigned myself. I blew up my life and wasn't planning on being there anyway. And if I'm not supposed to think I'm supposed to, like, I, in my head, I'm, I'm done. I'm supposed to die now. And if I'm not supposed to think that, then maybe these guys can help me. And I had an amazing therapist, Odyssey, that, yeah, helped me turn it all around. But... How did that, I, I'm trying to think how you go from I want to die and I'm a pretty serious alcoholic to I don't want, I want to live, I'm happy, or I mean, how, it, it didn't happen overnight. It was very gradual because I'm not actively like trying to kill myself, right? I'm not, I wasn't like that. And so I think that's why I stayed in Odyssey was. I really wanted to fix that, like, if everyone's telling me I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong. Because <laughs> I was just so at peace with leaving. Like, I never cried about it. I wasn't, I didn't tell people. I just wanted to be done. And so the turnaround happened with just, like, I'm going to try this. And if it brings me a little bit of happiness, I'm going to feed on that. And then if that brings me a little bit of happiness, I'll feed off that. And so I just started doing that and feeling the little the little bits of happiness um, made me want to live and just get more of that. And are you happy now? Yeah. Do you want to live? Yeah. Yeah. I look back now and I still look and think like it was so logical, but now I know like I was just depression, anxiety, the alcohol was just the icing on the cake for, you know, making you more depressed. I was drinking because I was depressed, but alcohol makes you more depressed. Right. So I was just living in depression. So now I'm, I think every day is just like a chance. When, when I just said, are, are you happy? Your yes was not, yes, I'm happy. It was sort of, yeah, I'm happy. I don't think I function like that. It's like when people are like, I'm never using again. I had my last, you know, drink or whatever like it's just not my personality I'm just like I hope to god I never drink again I would ruin my life like I don't intend on drinking I don't want to drink but I'm just not that person who's like I'm done I just don't think that way so am I happy yeah I'm happy yeah I'm happy I I, you know I have an opportunity to have more time with my kids and that's the most important. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just not. That's okay. I'm just curious. I mean, I, I. If you ask me the same thing, I'd, I'd say, I'm peaceful, uh, because I'm sober. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, but I'm not. Yay! Yeah. I'm happy. You know. That makes me feel better, actually. <laughs> well, I, I, it's. And but if you would have asked me when I was drunk, I go, yeah, things are great. Oh you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a different. And, and one of the things I had trouble with, because I was a functional alcoholic for decades, and my life revolved around my job and drinking. 
and and trying to balance both of them so that you know so I could still drink and I could still have my job, uh, and and one of the problems when I went through a treatment program, I, I went through twice, uh, was I can never have fun again. It was and and and, th and that's a difficult thing for all addicts and alcoholics who are who are seeking recovery because you always associated fun with the drugs or the alcohol yeah you can't let go till you have a drink right so yeah so do you have fun now <laughs> yeah <laughs> no yeah i do <laughs> yeah. uh i have fun in different ways and i think we just did a podcast with someone that said like his life isn't better or worse it's different um, I do think my life is different, but it's better. So I, I'm just not one who goes out and does, yeah, I can go out for a hike now and not be intoxicated and enjoy it. Good. And I can spend time with my son and not, with my son, it was waiting for our time to be over so I could drink. And now I'm just enjoying my time with my son. So yeah, I'm happy. How's I'm your relationship fun. with both of your kids? My daughter's 20 and it's 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 good. It's getting better every day and just I just have patience with uh, myself. So just having to it's a tricky relationship, I guess I could just say that. She's got a lot of stuff that she is absolutely validated and feeling and still feels and trauma that I caused and just not having the mom that she should have um, she's up and down so sometimes very forgiving and sometimes not which is fine so those right. are those times where I'm like how can I fix it and I want to fix it and that's that patience with myself of like it's going to take time you can't fix it and that's okay and right. just letting her have that time and be upset cautiously to like guard myself because it can hurt um, and you can't blame her for her absolutely feelings, not you know. but it's still hard sure but I don't I don't blame her one bit she's fantastic um my son is 10 and he's autistic so he doesn't really discuss many things from the past so it's just a clean slate which makes me feel guilty um <laughs> but it's just wonderful with him but I still feel guilt because I left him for a few years. One of the things people don't understand, and I can hear it in your voice and in, in your story, is the shame that people feel going through addiction or alcoholism. I, I have a lot of shame about the way I treated my four ex-wives uh, and the way I treated other people at work uh, because I was in a position that I could. So. Yeah. And, and you have shame about your family. Yeah. And it's real. It's every day, all day. Um, and I feel shame for falling into old habits, you know, not drinking, but like, you know, power and control issues. And now I'm like so aware of it and having to deal with all the emotions, which I just detest. And just the sh it's shame all the time. So all the therapists that I encountered or shame will, you know, you can't have shame, guilt, you know, work on guilt, but sure. shame is 
pretty detrimental. But it does, it, it can't, I don't know how it'll ever go away. I mean, yeah. you know, my four marriages are in the past, long in the past, and I, I'll never do that again, but you know, what can I say? Yeah. You know, and when, and when I, when I, uh, when I went through a treatment program then I was actively involved in AA, and you know, the one, the one step where they say you call, you, you deal with the people you hurt, and say you're sorry, uh, I contacted all four of my ex-wives uh, because none of them live around here now. And I think only, I think two of them responded positively. The other one said F you and the other one never responded. So, and, and my sponsor said, well, the point isn't for them to forgive you. The point is that you're saying you're sorry and to get it off your chest. And maybe there's forgiveness even if someone doesn't respond. It's just, sure. I don't know. So, and that's something you deal with, right? You have to learn that everyone's going to respond in a different way. Yeah. And you just have to be okay with that. And then move on from it yourself, which is the hardest part. Um, just You just have to be okay with other people's emotions. I think you deal with that every day at Odyssey. And Yeah, you do. And the alcoholic way of looking at it would be, like if the one who said after you, I'd say, well, I'm going to go drink. Yep. <laughs> be, Not going to I'll show that. you, you know, so. And, and, and there are frustrations every day at Odyssey. Right? Yeah. Uh, as a client, <laughs> looking at it now, it's totally different. But as a client, yeah, you're in treatment. It's 24-7 heightened emotions. You're living with these people, you know, 90 different personalities in one house and different backgrounds. And there's just so much going on all the time so whenever I go back to the house I have to remember to put myself in their place of like they're living this 24 7 I'm only coming in here and being like don't do that right you know, we're, not, <laughs> we're not doing that and then I'm like no when you're in it it's so much more intense it's you just have to give them grace because they're going through it especially the ones that just got there and everybody every story I've ever heard from every single person I've ever talked to here went through it, it got into addiction in a different way mm -hmm. i mean the story is all the same sort of but it's all different yeah it's yeah. wild some people start young some people start in their mid-30s yes. <laughs> uh some people blow up their lives some people don't blow up their lives and they're there when they're like 20 and they're just like i just i need to stop and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> like can you imagine <laughs> getting to that point at 20 so i'm just like good for you like that's the so, way I look at it too yeah I'm just they're like I can't believe I drank for the last year and I'm like yeah that's the worst like <laughs> definitely stop yeah good time uh, to seek treatment yeah and you just judge no one and support everyone and that's recovery I think that's why Odyssey is lucky to have you doing what you're doing so I appreciate you. you sharing your life with with the world which is hard, but we're all sort of used to it because that's one way uh, that you recover. I think it's one way you give back, too. So thank you very much, of Nicole. Course. It was great talking to you. I will see you on future podcasts, okay? Yeah, all right. I'm excited. Good. And thank you for watching and listening to another edition of Odyssey House Journals.